listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Abuse. My goal for this show is to educate and help in a healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. I am pre-recording this show, so I cannot accept call-ins tonight. If you are listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me or my guest tonight, you can email me at shereencwr at gmail.com. And let me spell that out for you. S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. And um, I check those periodically. So if you'd like to uh, let me know how things are going um, on my show, that'd be more than welcome. I want to do a shout out tonight to Becky Taylor in Colesville, Utah. Thank you for all you do for Diva and DV Underground. Okay, I've also been asked to make an announcement about an advocate in northern Utah. Uh, there's uh, a homeless DVA victims. I want everyone to know this. Homeless DVA victims are sometimes dangerous. Um, one thing about domestic violence is it is um, there is mental illness sometimes attached to it. And... Um, it could put advocates in danger. So let me share the uh, announcement that I've been asked to give. Um, please shut up that a person called the DVA Association, this is somewhere in northern Utah, for help because they were homeless. It was raining and she had no place to go. DVA found a shelter for her to go. A representative from DVA drove for miles to assist this woman to access her to resources. She called shelter after shelter and upon finding a shelter for the woman, the woman refused to call the available shelter because the victims have to call the shelter and um, talk to them. And once that happened, the following morning after a night stay in the home of the, the homeless woman refused to call and try to find resources and shelter. She decided she was going to stay in the home after calling the sheriff's office. Uh, The DV advocate called the sheriff's office and a deputy informed that the woman who owned the home, informed the woman that owned the home, had to file an eviction notice with the courts in order to have the homeless woman removed from the home. So she doesn't want anyone to put themselves in danger um and that's what has happened um this woman has put this advocate has put herself in danger inadvertently trying to help out a victim of domestic violence so um pray for the woman who is trying to help out the homeless woman as she is now a prisoner in her own home the advocate is a prisoner in her own home she cannot leave for fear that the homeless woman will destroy the advocate's home the homeless woman had an agenda to try, of trying to gain notoriety for her own case of domestic violence and will do anything to get that attention. She claims she is a federal informant that you should call Michelle Picking or Pickens, I'm not sure, with the FBI. Please call Michelle Pickens, FBI, and inform her that the federal informant is holding a DVA member hostage in her own home. The homeowner is afraid to leave the home for fear of retaliation from the homeless woman. 
So please, advocates, please do not uh, let victims into your home because of the fact that sometimes they turn on you. And also, if you'd like to call that police department and ask them to revisit her on an hourly basis to ensure her safety, because I'm very worried about her, the sheriff in Summit County is Sheriff Martinez, and the number there is 435-615-3600. And um, I did try calling her back a little earlier today with no response, so I'm hoping that she is still safe. Okay, I'd like to remind everyone that my show is on every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central Time. My show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. If you want a direct link to those services, you may go to the CWR homepage on the website. That's cwrtalknetwork.com. And click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. And we'll be right back from our public announcement. My savings are gone. Okay, where were they last? Here, right before I spent them on that vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird. Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. So let me tell you a little about my guest tonight. I'm so excited. Um, Bernadette is from Ireland. You know how I love to have people from other countries? Well, Bernadette is from Ireland. And starting... Um, started learning abuse at a very young age. She's going to talk to us a little bit about that and how Ireland almost has a culture of abuse. She is a filmmaker and has done a documentary on the troubles of Northern Ireland. She has also worked in as a host nurse for over 10 years. So I want to welcome Bernadette to our, to our show. Welcome Bernadette. Except for she's in the green room. Okay, I just got you on. Sorry, you you didn't come through because you were in the green room because that's what my show does, and I keep forgetting. (laughs) So thank you for for coming. Okay, so I just want you to start out and tell my audience a little bit about um, the culture of Ireland that we we discussed. Yeah, I think, um, like, for me, a very young age, I um, all I knew was abuse. You know, it was, my mother was very physically abusive to us as children. And I, coming from a, a family of nine girls and one boy, you know, and uh, of course the boy was favored. And, uh, but my mom didn't think twice of slapping you across the face or pulling you by the hair. And like, it's, it's an early memory going back to about three years of age. And not only that. Every time you turned the TV on, there was constantly violence from Catholics and Protestants, you know, shootings, bombings, killings. And yeah. uh, with, 
where we lived and where we grew up, we were brought up at a, like, as, as I say, a very, very young age um, with a lot of violence. Like, we grew up to hate Protestants and to throw stones and to throw bottles and not mix with them. So, you know, you get up into your teenage years, you've had an alcoholic mom and who was very physically abusive. And I always say my dad is an ostrich with his head in the sand. As long as he didn't see it and witness it, it didn't happen. And uh, Mm. she was a very dominant woman, you know. Now, when my older sisters, of course, I had six older sisters above me. Even with their partners, they all had some kind of bruising. Or if it wasn't a wee bruise here or a wee bruise there, you witnessed their husbands being very verbally abusive to them, which I thought was very normal. That's the way a man treats yeah. a woman. Uh, can I uh, interject know? for a moment? Uh, one thing yes. I, I love that you brought up was that abuse is not just familial. It's not just family in the family. You were talking about abusing people you might not have even known, but you knew that they were Protestants, right? So. Yes. Yes. Um, that's what I try to teach people all the time. Um, abuse happens in the schools. Abuse happens in the um, in the community. It happens at jobs. Bullies are abusers, <laughs> and they abuse. Yes. They're not bullies. They're abusers. And it, it's amazing how people are there. It's not. It's not domestic violence. You know what? It's abuse. I don't care if it's domestic. Yes. I don't care what it is. You know what? You it's abuse and it needs to be dealt with. If we don't deal with abuse on all aspects, we've not dealt with it at all. Well, if you have a child that's getting either physically abused or verbally abused at home, now for me and even my friends around me, it, every single one of my friends, it was happening to them and in their own home as well. Uh. Like we grew up very poor. We didn't have much. We all wore school uniforms to school and our socks weren't the whitest. They were actually grey. Our white shirts were grey instead of white because, you know, we wore the same shirt for about two weeks to school. But even for us being, we felt very poor. But when we went to school, because we didn't look a certain part we didn't have the pretty hair and the nice clean uniform. We were actually abused by the teachers because oh, we were no. sent to the back of the, We were sent to the back of the classroom, and we were told, "Well, you will never amount to anything, and you are nothing because you come from nothing." You know, so you're getting it at home. You're getting it in the street where you play with your other wee friends, and then you're getting it at school. You know, so you were constantly surrounded by this. And then if you went into a wee friend's house and her mommy sitting with two black eyes and shades on, and then you would say, oh, God, what happened to your mommy? Oh, sure, my daddy just hits her. My daddy hits her all the time. And these dads were devoted daddies to their children. Like, you know, it, it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, my mommy sometimes does that to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, sometimes my mommy does that to me. And then we would go on playing. 
it was so natural and it so was. what we were used to. Wow. And and what was the years on this by by chance? Well, I left Ireland when I was twenty five. No, I mean it was it like nineteen um seventy, nineteen eighty. Oh yeah. Well, nineteen sixty seven was when I was born and that'll give you an idea of my age. But uh, um, like You I, could have hid that I'm from not... us, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I would I would say I left the So it was I really strong in the eighties then. Oh yes. Like well the troubles were so strong in the eighties. Like you couldn't have turned your T V on from nineteen eighty right up till about you know, e- even the present day there's still a lot of stuff going on in Northern Ireland yeah. and it's a trigger from the troubles because what's happened all across Ireland right now is suicides, massive, massive suicides and it all triggers back down to the troubles from Northern Ireland when you're constantly surrounded by violence and abuse. And these women and these fathers that are my age are alcoholics that can't handle it. And it's their children that are killing themselves because they've been neglected and they've been abused. Okay, let me ask you a quick question. Um, Is it cultural to drink? You know, you see it in the movies that... Um, Irish love to drink and their beers and all that. Is is that true? What we see in the movies is it cultural? Oh, it's true. It, it, well, the way St George's, there's there's a Mormon church in every corner. Well, just yeah. turn all those churches into pubs, and you're in Ireland. But we're very we're <laughs> that one heck of a lot of pubs. People. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of pubs. One we, one, we, one we street alone, there would be seven pubs, but. We love to go to the pubs night. We love a drink and we love to socialize. We love to dance. We love our music. We love our poetry. We're great storytellers and we're yeah. very passionate people. You know, and yes, I yeah. and I always say this to people that are abused. We love with all our hearts. We wanna give our husbands or our wives, whoever's abusing us, all all our love and we do. And it's so hard. It starts out with a wee shove and a push and I'm sorry and all the usual crap that you have to deal with and the apologies and then we forgive and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Okay, let me ask you this question. You said your mother was abusive. Was your father not abusive or was he abusive as well? No, not at all. He he, he not, uh, I, I mean... He would shout like more or less what every Irish man would do at six o'clock when the news come on, and we all knew we had to scatter out to the street. But a lot of the abuse happened when my daddy was at work, and my mom like she just wouldn't have thought if we were watching a cartoon on the TV, and she asked us something and we didn't answer, it would be dragged by the her, and then every name in the book called up, and it's. When I had my own children, I swore I would never lay a finger on them and I would never raise my voice at them and I would redirect. If I had, if they were naughty, it was the egg tamer. Write down three things that you hate and then you picked one of them and that was your punishment. And it had to stop. It had to stop with me. 
because I seen my other sisters doing exactly what my mother done to us, what they yeah. were doing to their children, and it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, so how many siblings did you have? I had nine sisters and one brother. And so there was 11 of you? Yes. And um, let me ask you this. Um, How many of your siblings, out of the 11 of you, um, grew up to be abusers? Um, All. Every, every... Every single one of them, apart from my brother, you know, but they were either verbally abusive or they were physically abusive. Some of them were both. Um, and and they drank a lot, I think. And that's because they were raised of, that way? And your mom was um, yeah, yeah. the abuser in the house, so that's probably why your brother didn't grow up as an abuser, because he followed after dad's footsteps, maybe? But there were no girls yeah, that followed after that? No, no. I, there was, I, I do have, uh, I have two younger sisters, and they were fantastic. One of them emigrated to Canada, and she's absolutely brilliant. The, the, she, she never had children, but she totally changed her life around. And I have a sister who's 13 months younger than me. She ended up having children later on in life. And she stopped the cycle. So, you know, really there's three of us. It was more the older siblings above us, um, you know, ended up with abusive men, ended uh-huh. up being very abusive themselves. And they're, uh-huh. they scare me today. Like, I go home and I'm like, oh, don't talk to me that way. I'm not used to that. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're even very abusive to me. Like, I get... Shut your face. You way you back to America, you know, like they're ready to jump me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you know what? That that's the one thing that I think is so important and that I love about your story is you broke the cycle. Now, can you share uh, with us a little bit about your life? Um did you marry the first guy you married? I'm not sure how many you married. I'm just guessing there might have been more than one, but uh the first guy you married was <laughs> he abusive? Yes, well, it was, you know, my first boyfriend, and we lived together at the age of 18. Uh, We were never married, and I had a son to him, Uh and I idolized him, worshipped the ground he walked on, and, um, you know, it started out with a a little shove, and I'm like, oh, that's normal, you know, and then it started with name-calling, and that was normal, and... You know, like if we would go out, we would go out every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night to dancing, and there would be other guys looking at you. You know, like you're, you're you know, you're done up and you're you're looking good, and but you're looking yeah. good for your man, not for anybody else. Right. And then when you get home, oh, what were you doing? You were flirting with him. You were looking at him. I wasn't. Then you tone yourself down. You learn to not put as much makeup on, not to do your hair, not to look good because you're afraid of other men looking at you and then him getting annoyed. And it, it took it about a year to really just go from pushing to hitting. And um, and then I was six months pregnant. He kicked me down the stairs. Um, oh, no. He bro- uh, broke, broke my jaw, gave me black eyes. But my son was 
he was only about six months, well, about six weeks old. And he came in drunk one night and was bouncing to the walls. And he had the baby in his arm. And thank God he, nothing happened. So he passed out. And I took my, this, and I wouldn't recommend this, ladies, but I took my high heels, the most pointiest ones I had, and I beat the face of him with it because he was so drunk and he was so passed out. And I packed my clothes and I said, I will never, ever look back at you again. And I will never, ever, ever let this happen. And I walked away and I hope my sister got into a taxi and my son's now 30 and I never look back. And, but I mean, he put your child at risk. He, he could have killed him. And so that's what, it was the mother instinct that came out there as well. Oh yeah. It was, it was, it was protect him. And I knew I could take the beat and I'm a strong woman. It was like, you know, beat away at me. I can get up tomorrow and I'm fine. I can put my makeup on, hide my bruise, my smile on. I used to call it put your face on. You put, you have your public face. And then you have your face at home where you're yeah. crying, you're depressed, you're, you just feel like crap. But the, the thing about domestic violence is, too, there's not that many people back then that was willing to reach their hand out and go, Bernie, I know what you're going through. Let me right. help you. I'm going through it myself. Because right. everybody else was so miserable and they didn't know what to do. You, you, sometimes you really have to stand up, help yourself, and you can do it. Oh my God, you can do it! You don't. Yeah. I, I didn't have a pot of piss in. I didn't even have a bag of diapers, but I knew I had to get out because somebody he was going to kill me one way or another. His jealousy, his con- controlling, his abuse, and what I found out years later was he was beating his mom before me and him ever got together. Oh, His no. mom had bruises all over her. And the mom kept telling me it was because she was falling down when she was drunk. But it was years later I found out it was him. He was beating his own mother. Oh, no. So he started out, no. did he have any siblings? Yeah, he had. he had brothers and two sisters and... His brothers were very violent as well. And actually, you know, as I say, like it goes back to being brought up and being surrounded by this violence. It the was culture. second nature. And it was even yeah. even when I was a teenager, I thought I thought I was this, this badass. Like I wanted yeah. to go kick somebody. Like if somebody looked at me the wrong way, I was like, who are you looking at? Do you want to fight? Come on. <laughs> and I, was a wee, I, I mean, I was a wee scrapper. But that was that was embedded in me. It was like yeah. you had to be bigger, badder, the best fighter in school just to survive. Yeah. It's it's, right. it's a bunch of baloney, like, but it's you had to be the toughest to survive because if you come in from the street crying after yeah. somebody hit you, your mom and dad would hit you for crying. Oh my gosh! You know. So. But your dad wasn't the abusive one. It was your mom, right? No, not, no. My dad, I, I, I always say, like, my daddy, he was out working a lot of the time. Well, he worked. He, he was out every day working. 
he she only done it when he wasn't there. You know, right. but he, I mean, he, he knew what was going on. It was just, it was never talked about. We never talked about it. And even as siblings, if we got hit or whipped really bad, we didn't talk about it. We just cried in bed. And then we get up the next morning and the back of our legs were sore and bruised. But we just, we pulled our socks up, went to school and that was it. It was never well, spoke about Right, and like you said, it was natural, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that that black guy I got from my mom, and and that that strike on my leg I got from my dad, and my brother added a couple to it, you know." And and then you'd like compare bruises. I mean, it was that's what you that's what happened. That's what you did, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was just as I say, the neighbors two doors down was going through the exact same thing. Your yeah. aunt around the corner was getting a beating from her husband. So it was, you know, it it really wasn't until I came to America here about a year, and it was like looking in. I I could look in at Ireland and go, oh my gosh, like how could someone survive all this? Right. How could it, it's not normal, but to us it was normal. But you have to step out to to realize, you know, people don't have to live this way. Right. When you're in and, and can I relate that to something? Victims that yes. are in abusive relationships, they sometimes are like, well, you know, it's not going to be any better on the outside. Or they might not even know they're being abused. Um, a lot of times, yes. you know, it's so normal, they don't even realize, hey, I'm being abused. This is just how he is. I'm going to have to settle for this because I'm married to him. You know, or, you know, they make up all sorts of excuses. But in, in relationship. You, when you stepped outside your country, you saw that what you were going through. And just as in relationships, when the woman steps out of the relationship, and I mean leaves it, is when she realizes, yeah, that that wasn't a good, that you know that wasn't good what was happening. I was being abused. Sometimes it takes getting out of the tornado to see that there's a tornado. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, it does, and sometimes it even takes. A couple of years before you even realize that, you know, yeah. or you get into a normal relationship and you're like, oh, this is what it's meant to be. Oh, this right. is a normal relationship. And then right. you're like, oh, I'm kind of scared. You're waiting for the slap or you're waiting for, you know, to be degraded or to be talked down or to be little doesn't yeah. happen. And you're like, are you pissed at me? Are you mad at me? <laughs> you know, why are you being so nice? Yeah. Shout at me, shout at me, you know, and it's like, what? Oh, that's great. And you know what? I can see how you, you're totally soothed and conditioned into being abused, that when someone's not abusive, you're scared. You're like, you know, what's going on here? Something's not right. You're not yelling at me. You're not cussing at me. You're not calling me names. You're not beating me. Yeah. How, how old yeah, were you when you came to, did you get into another relationship while you were in Ireland or was that the last one and then you came to no. America? How did that work? No, well, I, I left him and I, I did. It took me about a year after leaving him. I did get into a relationship actually with a really nice guy. And it just so happened that he was, he, he was from the other side of town, let's say, and I wasn't. And his mom didn't like it. And oh. there was no way that um, this uh, 
lovely fella was going to marry a girl like me. So yeah. she she put a stop to it, and then that was it. And then I met my husband, um, you know, here. Uh, I met him in Ireland, but we I came back. And, you know, as I say, like, I, I couldn't have met a nicer guy. You know, yeah. he was very caring, very sweet, a good man, you know, and it's... Yeah. It's... Uh, and that's a whole nother story, <laughs> you know. But he but, was he um, wasn't abusive, and so you met a guy that no, was not, not abusive, and you married not him. Married and him and had three children, and it was, you know, as, as the years go on, you just fall out of love. You know, uh-huh. you don't divorce over. Like everybody thinks, when people get divorced, it's over something. It's really uh-huh. not. Sometimes you can just. I was finding myself at the age of 40 and I was learning to love myself, you know, right. not, not, not someone else loving me or me giving everything to them. I really, I think at the age of 40, that's when I really started to find myself and who I was, you know, and, yourself, and I, I'm yeah. like, I, I really like myself. I love who I am, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it took a long time. I just got busy having babies and raising children, and then my kids are all grown up now. So it was like, you know, it's time. It's time. I've got the time now for me and to love yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that life life's good and it's happy. And that's wonderful. And so uh, you broke the you broke the cycle by. Um, Marrying a, a a guy that was a good guy is that how you broke the cycle or yeah. loving yourself or yeah. no what? I no I I always wanted I I I know abuse you, every woman knows it every woman knows when she's being slapped around or verbally abused we all know it. we know it from a young age when our mom or our dad shouts at us we know our our ears are up it's attention. We know that. You know right from wrong. But right. We just, like, sometimes, as I say, like, we're very passionate, we're very loving, and we just let it happen because we think it's going to stop. They're going to stop hurting us. They're going to stop abusing us. I knew I wanted something better for my children. I knew I wanted great parents for my kids so they could grow up to be great children or great parents themselves. Right. You know, and I had, I actually had my nieces come from Ireland for eight, for nine years. She came every summer, and she begged me to be her mom. She <laughs> goes, "You're not, you're you're nothing like my mommy. Like I wish you were my mommy." And she could not understand that we can be very loving, we can be very caring. You don't mm-hmm. need to hit, you know. Like, it's, you know, and her mom was a hitter. Yeah, her mom, her mom was just like my mom, you know, and as I say, she's an older sister, but, you know, it it, it can stop. There's, there's no, there's no excuse for it. And there's no walk away, go out your front door, pack your bags, go to a friend, go to a shelter. There's tons of help out there. Mm-hmm. Get away. Whatever you can do with your children is get out that door, get away. Because if you don't, you're going to be raising children. It's just going to fall right back into the same trap. Right. And and 
do you highly recommend or not recommend that you beat the crap out of your drunk husband before you leave? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so oh, tell me about Ireland now. Do they have places or shelters for domestic violence victims or anything like that there now? Yeah, they do now. Like, there's great awareness now because it was happening um, so much. You know, they, they, they even have alcoholic centers, community centers, where you can go if you're an alcoholic, and they will actually give you an allowance of beer, and you can sit in that environment and get drunk and be safe. You know, oh, good. So they know you're they know you're an alcoholic, but they know we're not going to cure you, but we don't want you out on the street drinking. So here's right. your beer allowance, but you're in a safe place. And they're speaking out more about domestic violence. Like it's it's I would say probably over the last ten years, it definitely has got a lot better. Oh, good. Um, the first domestic violence shelter um, was in. England in 1972, I believe, and it was Prizzy, P-R-I-Z-Z-E-Y, I think, and um, and she took a lot of heat and hatred. When um, abuse, uh, when shelters, abuse shelters started popping up there, were they mistreated at all because it was so cultural? Well, I never, in my life, I never heard of a a, um, a shelter for women to go to. Uh, you, you, yeah. you, I never heard of that. You know, you never heard of anybody leaving. Like these women stayed with these men and had seven or eight kids to them, and half of them are still with them today, where they've they've gone twenty twenty five years just constantly getting yeah. beaten. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's just. It's just the way it is, and that's that's what a lot of people's attitude is. Well, sure, it's just the way it is. You can't change it. You can't right. change it. Right. You can change it, and you know. But that's what um, my ex-husband's family would say the same thing. That's just the way he is. Yes. Yeah. And so people yeah. accept it around him. You're right. They accept the verbal abuse. They accept the psychological abuse. They accept the financial abuse. They accept the beatings. They accept the sexual abuse because that's just the way he is. That's not an excuse at all. There never should be an excuse for violence, any kind of violence, hatred, race, domestic, anything. There is. It's despicable. It's the most sickening thing. It is happening today, and it's right. horrible. It, 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 it literally makes me sick to my stomach, and especially domestic violence, just because right. I've been through it. You know, right. you, you want to save everybody. You want to help everybody, and you want to... Sometimes it's like you're underwater. You've jumped into a pool, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, but right. nobody can hear you. Right. It is so hard. And that's actually how it feels. Um, You think that you're just drowning and that no one's going to help you. And, of course, they isolate you so that there's nothing. But they not only isolate you physically, they can isolate you psychologically. My ex-husband would tell me, you know, I'd say, hey, I'm going to go have lunch with so-and-so. And he goes, oh, she thinks you're crazy. She wouldn't have lunch with you. And I'm like, 
why would he say that? But I'm sure he would say the same thing to her. Well, Shireen thinks you're crazy. She wouldn't ever go out to lunch with you. You're crazy, you know. Anyway, so I'm sure, so they they isolate you not only physically, they isolate you psychologically to believe you have no one but them in in your life. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. You, You feel so beaten down and you feel like they are the only ones. I right. mean, there's nobody out, and there's a lot of shame with it as well. Like right. you feel shameful that, like I let this happen to me. Like I'm this big toughy, but mm-hmm. I'm letting this happen to me, and it, mm-hmm. it shame sets in. And then you're like, no. Then you do. You you feel like, well, I do only have him, even though all this abuse is going on. He's still my security blanket. Right. No, that's you know. very true. And that's why women stay. They don't know how to get out sometimes. Easy. You walk out the front door and you shut it. And you don't. Yeah, but you back. know what? Keep in mind, you had a place to go. Sometimes people don't have a place to go. And also, 72% of all deaths occur in this country when they are trying to leave or after they've left. 72% of all domestic violence deaths that occur is while they're trying to leave or after they left. So it does have to be um, leaving. I just say prepare to leave. And then I give them some ideas on what to do on how to prepare to leave. Um, Because just walking out the door is hard. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say it is. It it was easy enough for me. But um, I do understand it's not that easy for a lot of people. And women that are getting beaten can't leave and they do have nowhere to go but I just I would just say to them hang in there we know what you're going through we've cried we've felt your pain we know what it's like to be in that dark corner right you know it's it's you know it's it's just it is it's prepare save do whatever you have to do plan six months or a year ahead and you become that wee crack mouse or you end up not saying anything, not talking, mm-hmm. not moving, lying still in bed at night, afraid to piss them off. You know, it's like you just, you know, it, it's not until you're away with away that you start to bloom and become who you are. Yeah, it's not till you leave. You're right. And you know what? Um, and I was talking to a friend about this the other day. When you get married, you're one person, then they try to change you into the person they want, and it's not till you leave that person that you get your get who you are back, yes, and, yes. and find yourself yet again, yeah, um i I was just in shock on what happened to me. A friend of mine, same thing happened to her it It's what happens, you know, um, in your case, you probably grew up that way and and just thought uh, that's just the way this is, and this is how I am and but and, and then, but we kind of were our person, and then we get with this person, and now they've changed who we are. We, they changed our thoughts, our standards, our life, our everything. And we're like, I, I even said to mine, I said, I'm not who I am. I'm, I, I spent so many years developing, creating who I am, and I'm not me anymore. Yeah. And it yeah, was. We lose, it, lose yeah. Yeah. Totally lose yourself. So I'm glad you brought that up because you, we find who we are after we leave. 
And it might be finding again who we are. It might be finding who we are for the first time. It would depend on how long you've been in the relationship. Okay, so after you marry this wonderful guy and you have three kids, um, is that when you moved to St. George or? No, I, I moved to St. George when I was um, 25, like straight from Ireland to here. Oh, okay. And um, of, co- of course I had my five-year-old son with me and it was a, it was a total culture shock, like I mean shock, shock, shock. I mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, but I, I knew I wanted a better life for us. And I right. knew, you know, that this it was a great marriage. It, it was you know, we ha- we just went separate ways, as I say. Right. One goes one direction and one goes the other. The you know, you grow together and yeah. your children are all growing up. You just yeah. grow apart. Right. And, um, you know, and then I, as I say, like, I, I, I just, I found that I loved all this stuff. You know, I loved arts. I, I loved looking through a lens of a camera. I loved storytelling, yeah. you know, and I, I felt empowered. I felt happy. And, it, it, you know, it's just, you know, as I say, I loved myself. I, I fell yeah. in love with me. I looked in the mirror and went, you know, gosh, go for you, girl. Like you've been down. Yeah, on, good for I've you, girl. For sure. Knees. Yeah, I've been down on my knees many, many times, and I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard to get up, and you can't get out of bed, and you lie in bed, you go, I am not getting up. I can't get out of this bed, and it's like, come on, one foot, one foot, take one step, and then right. you get out, and you take another step, and you just you plug, and some days you go back, and some days you go forward. It's a day at yeah. a time. Yeah. No, exactly. That's what happened. I would just say, just put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Don't care about what anyone says or anyone does. Just put one foot in front of the other. Now, what encouraged you to come to America, may I, might I ask? Um, well, I actually was just meant to come for a holiday. <laughs> I was only meant to be here for three months, and I ended up staying for 24 years now. <laughs> Awesome. I, I did go home. I did go home uh, for three years. Uh, I've only been back two. I went home for three, and I actually met my husband who I'm married to now in Ireland, and brought him back here. And uh, he's a great guy, and just you know, um, you know, we're we're as happy as pie. Oh, wonderful. It's you know, always wonderful so it's, to find someone wonderful, for sure. And, and somebody that's really compatible with you, let you be you and not wanting to change you. You know, yeah. letting you go out with your girlfriend, letting you go do this, letting you, you know, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, that's, go ahead. Go on, get out, go have some fun. You know, it's so nice. And then when you come home, you know, it's hard as your night. It's just have a good laugh. You know, it's and then even when me and him was in Ireland, we done everything together. You know, so there is good guys out there. Yeah, there are some. I haven't met them, but I, I I'm sure <laughs> they are out there. <laughs> Seriously, I every time I find someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's wonderful, and then you know, find out he's he's an abuser again, and so. You know, I just keep on that route, and so I at least I can recognize them now. Um, as yes, before, yes. 
I always gave them a pass. And um, women, I think, too often, it's why why we have the Domestic Violence Conference here in St. George. We want everyone to see these guys coming and going. We want everyone, whether you're a, you know, an intended spouse, a, you know, someone that's dating or, or someone that's a family member of someone that's married to a, or, or possibly dating a, a, a DV, a possible DV. And, uh, we want everyone to see them. We want the parents to see them. We want the friends to see these guys. We want the women to see these guys. We want everyone. We want the neighbors to see these. We want everyone to see these guys. We want everyone to be able to recognize what a an abuser looks like. Yep. And it's also, I think it's good for other women going through it or have been through it where we all can sit and talk or even just listen, just listen to someone else's story. You know, yeah. and just be there for them. You know, it's you're you're not alone. Yeah, yeah, you're not alone, and and these women do have a voice, and that's why I'm here. I want everyone to have a voice. I want everyone to be able to speak what what happened to them and and to share because everybody's experience is a little bit different, and everybody needs to be able to share what happened to them. So that people understand, they don't look the same. These guys are dressed yeah. up, maybe as sheep, maybe as cows, maybe as dogs, maybe as cats. They're dressed up differently, and they act differently. Yep. But they have some of the same mo. They have all the same mo, power and control, and they just get to it in a different way. But there are some patterns that we can identify, and um, and that's how. That's what I try to teach is how to identify these guys. But anyway, so, yeah, that how wonderful that you have absolutely someone wonderful in your life. And I remember you just got married, like, what, I'm going to say three years ago? Um, yeah, uh, yeah uh, two years. We're coming up to two, two years. And, yeah, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, that's September. wonderful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I think I always think I love hearing success stories. I have to tell you, I just love hearing success stories because that gives you hope. Right. And you know that they're there. (laughs) I've pretty much (laughs) given up hope, but I still know they're there. I just don't know where. And I'm not really into looking for a needle in a haystack right now. You know, when I have time to look for a needle in a haystack, I'll do that. But right now I I don't have that. But (laughs) pleasure. But anyway, so. So wonderful to have you on my show, sweetheart. And um, I can't wait to hear you at the conference. You're going to be absolutely marvelous. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I hope tonight's show can help. If it helps one person, I'm I'm happy. And if it, if it helps 10 people, even better. Right. And that's what I talked about um, when I first, uh, when we first started talking tonight was, you know, our goal is just to help one person. If we can help one person, we've been successful. Yes, definitely. And I will get this out around the world. You know that. I hit New Zealand. I hit England. <laughs> I hit um, Australia for sure. I'll send it to you. You can send it to Ireland. We'll be all over. Oh, brilliant. We'll, we'll come to Okay. <laughs> oh, love you so much. And thank you so much for coming on tonight. I so appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thank you and love you and every woman out there. Be strong. 
Yes, be strong and safe. That's what I try to always tell them. Okay, and um, I will talk to you later. All right, sweetie? Okay. Okay, Okay. Sherry. Love you. Thank you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, in closing tonight, I just want to remind everyone to to help out that DV advocate that's being held hostage in her own home by contacting, by prayer for one, let's start there. And uh, if possible, if you can contact the Sheriff's Department in the Summit County at 435-615-3600 and um, let them know that you're concerned as I will be doing the same. Thank you so much and have a good night.